Hey everyone, welcome back. We're so happy to be with you this week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's the week of Christmas. We're pretty excited about it. It's uh, it's the best time of year for sure. My favorite time of year. I love Christmas. Um, <laughs> I feel like you've said that for three weeks straight, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I probably, if you listen back to the last five episodes, I've probably said something about Christmas. So. Wait, can I just ask, out of curiosity, yeah. uh, I mean, we didn't even just gonna catch you off guard here okay. why, why is it your favorite <laughs> why not it's christmas like no no i love i don't know um i do know i but i don't know like i know but i don't know how to say it so uh i think it's a combination of everything it's I, the cookies i love sweets yeah i was literally that was my number one i love sweets and there's so many cookies that come around um, um number two i love the cold especially marrying into my family yeah cookies uh it's like it's like marrying into diabetes is what it should should be known as there's so many cookies on your or side of the family your jackpot yes uh it's my my ticket to heaven is what it feels like um, it's actually why he married me <laughs> <laughs> so sweets are uh, a big plus um i love the cold so that's another good i love snow that's another good one uh christmas lights i don't know ever since i was a little kid i've always loved christmas lights i love to put them up i love to have them in the house on the outside of the house all over the house i love to look at them so that's a big plus. Um, and then I'm talking really fast. You're really excited. Um, and then I love getting gifts for people. I love giving things to people. Um, so I would say just all things combined. And you love getting gifts. Yeah, I do. Um, so and it really doesn't matter what they are. I just love like, I don't know, there's something about it that's just, yeah. it's all exciting. And if you know my mom, um, she's like ultra Christmas high i mean high strung type a like no slowing her down and so she she loves christmas and so my parents house at christmas time andrew it's like there's like a tree in every room it, there's just yeah. e everywhere there's garland there's ribbons and bows and growing up your package had to be beautiful to be under the tree <laughs> and you know but um like, she just loves, loves Christmas. And she joked the other day that no one has given her competition for the, with their love for Christmas until Andrew came around. And now he's, like, her competition every year. So, that says a lot. Yeah. So, give me, uh, give me a couple years and we'll have more trees than they do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, but yeah, I just, I love Christmas. So, Merry Christmas to everybody. And hope you have a good Christmas week. We've had a, a fun, interesting week. Uh... This past weekend, um, for those of you that don't know, Lauren is very super pregnant mm. right now. Yeah. Um, and Saturday we had our our first scare. We thought it was the scare. the the moment. Um, and I have a whole new. A couple weeks ago we talked about Joseph. I have a whole new appreciation <laughs> for Joseph. Man, I can't imagine traveling <laughs> to Bethlehem with a pregnant lady going into labor and. You're on a donkey. There's no way that thing could move fast enough. I can't. I and how can't about imagine. appreciation for Mary riding a donkey? That's bumpy. <laughs> right. Yikes. And then getting, man, bless Joseph. Because if I would have got to the to the inn and the innkeeper said we have no more room, after dealing with a pregnant lady on a donkey, I. Dealing. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> oh, sorry, God. sorry for my termage, but uh, yeah, I, I might have. I might have been throwing hands with the innkeeper. I would have said, find a room or something, because oh, I'm not taking word. this lady on a donkey anywhere else. Oh, my word. Uh -oh. We did not have a baby. All is well. Yeah. I really was having contractions, but she just decided to stop. So here yeah. we are. And here we are. 
a couple days later and no baby. Yeah, no baby and we'll see we'll see how much longer she hangs out. So No big deal. Baby coming soon, but <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so all that being said, that kind of ties in, obviously, with the Christmas story. Um, but it really does give you a whole new perspective when you go through the process of having a ch- child. I mean, I'm not through that process, but I'm in that process. And um, I even was, like, kind of sh- shocking, I know, emotional on the way to the hospital, seeing Christmas lights and music playing and thinking <laughs> through contractions, thinking about, wow, like, he didn't have to do this. God didn't have to choose this way. He didn't have to, um, you know, go through being here on earth. None of this had to happen, but he chose to because it wasn't enough to just know us and to form us. And um, he wanted to be with us. Right. And that all started through the process of, um, you know, the virgin birth and being totally God and totally man and, and coming in such a humble, um, in such a humble way. And it really, when you go through that process, it helps you realize this isn't an easy process by any means. It's a miracle. It's such a like touching emotional take that you had on that, that I was, (laughs) we were on the way to the hospital and I was just thinking, whoa, baby. Oh my goodness. And you're over here having such a, serious awesome intimate god moment that i just totally missed out on but hearing you say that it's so true um that you know in in all of the chaos of our world of what we face of what we deal with the perfect god that had the perfect heaven that he never had to leave he never had to remove himself from he said, this isn't enough. Yeah. That's not good enough I wanted for me. to be with you. Right. And that's really been on my heart um, for the past couple of days. Ever since I kind of had that moment, I've just been thinking, you didn't have to choose this, but you right. did because yeah. you wanted to be with us. And so obviously that makes my mind go to Matthew um, uh, chapter 1, verse 23, where it says, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so again, that just like resurfaced for me. Um, and it made Emmanuel such a powerful word. I think it's one of those things like you read the Christmas story and you think, yeah, Emmanuel, we know that. We know what that means. I've heard that. It means God with us. Okay. Yeah. And you leave it at that until you have an experience and it becomes real for you and you recognize, wow, God wanted to be with me. Yeah. Why? It it just blows your mind. Yeah. And I think I... The, the whole history of, of the Emmanuel is, um, like you said, we read it in Matthew and it's, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you almost just breeze over it. Like you just, you don't understand the seriousness of what it is. Um, and I think, I think one of the coolest things about Emmanuel, um, is that it, it means just that it means God with us. But if you study the Bible and if you look at other things that, that God was referred to before this he was just referred to as Jehovah and Jehovah a lot of times was paired with something else based on what he was in a situation. He would be Jehovah Nisi or mm-hmm. uh, Jehovah Jireh or Je- Jehovah Rapha or Jehovah Shalom. There were so many of these. And if you study through all of them, you see that they, they called God, they referenced God, they named God 
based on what he was for them in that time, in that situation. Mm-hmm. And breaking those down and looking at translations of them, he was called the Lord, my banner. He was called my shepherd. He was called the healer. He was called the Lord who is here. He was called uh, the Lord, our righteousness, the Lord who will supply, the Lord of hosts, and the Lord is peace are all things that he was referred to. And for thousands of years, people worshipped him and recognized him as these. And yet through all of that, through all of that worship, through all that recognition, he said, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. But I want to be Emmanuel, who is with you. I don't want to just be your supplier, but I want to be with you. And that's when you see Jesus came to this earth. And when Jesus came to this earth, he fulfilled the law of the Old Testament so that the law didn't have to exist anymore. And he took what was religion, and he didn't come for religion. He came for relationship. Mm -hmm. He didn't come to be recognized as something, but he came to be with you. That's awesome. Worship is so much more than um, being able to call God out on what he has done for you. Worship is so much more than just, yeah, you've been my healer and you've been my provider. But to truly be able to say, God, you've been with me. Yeah. Like more than more than all of those things that you've done for me. Yeah. You've just been with me. You've, you've been a friend. And I think that's so powerful. I've never thought about it that way, that he, he can supply so many things, but that wasn't enough for him. He wanted it to be intimate and personal and to be just with us. Right. And there's the, um, which I think you have kind of some details on, there's the story of of Esther that talks about that, that there was, you know, there was so much of the Bible that you read that there's the mention of God and there's mm-hmm. the telling of God and who he was and what he did. And yet people still didn't understand or people still didn't grasp that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. But they depended on just what they knew him as. Mm-hmm. And... The story of Esther kind of shows a little bit of a different perspective on that. Yeah, it's the it's the the story of Esther is such an interesting one um, because it's more of a story. When you say it's more of like a historical narrative rather than um, you know, there are so many stories in the Bible that just proclaim God's greatness and mention. Um, stories of people and their relationship with him and what he had done for them. But reading the story of Esther, God isn't mentioned. Right. Um, And I kind of want to jump to, I was reading this over this past week, and to me it just really tied into that concept of God being with us. Because um, if you look at Esther chapter 2, um, that kind of fast forwards to, at this point she has been chosen as queen, and her cousin, Mordecai, which we were actually just talking about pronunciation of, of um, his name, uh, you hear Mordecai, Mordecai, my whole life I've kind of just said Mordecai. Is that what you say? That's what I say too. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, so sorry if you, if you, I'm butchering that to you, but um, we, we find that he is sitting at the king's gate here in Esther 2, and he, that's when he hears the two officers plotting to kill the king. And Mordecai takes this information to his cousin Esther, and then Esther tells the king, um, who obviously handles the situation um, of these two officers who are planning to kill him. And so we fast forward um, to then Esther chapter 3, and this is where Haman is persuading the king to have the Jews destroyed and um, 
he offers, you know, the increase to the king's treasury by like two thirds of the national income. Um, I had never noticed that part of the story before, but not only is he just deceiving, but the way he's trying to bribe the king with this money. Um, but the king pays no attention to the money, if you notice the story. And he actually just says, you know, keep the money, do with, do what you will with the Jews. Um, because Haman is just so disgusted that Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. And so he wants the entire... Um, Jewish people to be exiled. So Esther takes her concerns and she decides, okay, I'm going to go to the king because Mordecai has encouraged her. You have to do something to save our people. You have to do something to save us because there's no one else in your position. And when she goes to the king, she asks him to come to a banquet with her that night. Um, and so that night, and she actually in, um, includes Haman on the invitation. And so Haman and the king come to this banquet, and Haman here boasting that, oh, I'm the only one that got to come to this banquet with Esther and the king. Little does he know, he's the problem. <clears throat> but um, they're having a great time, and the king says, what is it? What is it that you need? And uh, she kind of gets nervous, and she says, um, I want to have you for another banquet tomorrow evening. And so they finish their banquet, and... The king goes to bed that night, and this is one part of the story that I hadn't really honed in or focused in on until I had read it this time, and the king goes, to, and he can't sleep, and so he orders for the chronicles to have been read to him, and at that time, if you look, the chronicles are basically like just history books of what have, has been done, and as it's being read, it's brought to his attention about what I had mentioned back in Esther chapter 2 when Mordecai finds the officials are, tr are trying to plot to kill the king. And the king stops them as they're reading this. Of all the places that they could read about, they're reading about this happening. And the king asks, you know, what was done for this man? What was done for the man Mordecai who got this news and has protected me? And they said nothing. Nothing was done for him. And, and so the king isn't able to sleep and he finds himself trying to figure out what can I do for this man? He saved my life. And so the next morning Haman comes in and he, the king asks Haman, his right hand man, he says, what would you do to honor um, someone that the king delights in? And so Haman, again, just thinking of himself, his selfish self, um, he tells him that he should parade this person in the king's robe and his crest on his head and he should be paraded through the streets and he should be um it should be proclaimed through the streets this is the man whom the king delights in and all of these things because Haman obviously thinks that's going to be him and the king tells him all of those things go and do that today for Mordecai put him on the horse and I want you to parade him around and have him um all through the streets being told how I'm the one he delights in. And so Haman goes and does this. I'm sure he's very irritated <laughs> at this point. And um, then that night is whenever they have the banquet. And it's brought to the king's attention by Esther that Haman is having, um, has sent out the decree for all the Jewish people to be exiled. And basically, long story short, the story ends with, um, the king finding favor in Esther and um, what she has brought forth to him. And Haman is ac actually the one who ends up being impaled and killed. And um, 
But the reason why I wanted to kind of talk about those highlights of the story is, as I was reading this, um, it was so profound to me that it wasn't an accident that the king couldn't sleep that night. It, it wasn't just a by chance happening. Um, and as I was reading that, I was reflecting and I was thinking about the scripture that actually in Psalm 121 says, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber nor sleep. And that made me think, you know, this whole story, like I had talked about earlier, God's hand is on Mordecai's life. This whole story, um, God has God is with Esther. We don't hear God mentioned, but He's with her, and He protects her, and His favor is on her. Um, they're actually... Uh, it, the scriptures mentioned that Esther was so worried about going to the king and approaching him because no one was to approach the king. Um, they could be killed for that. But God had favor on her and she went and, and because of that, um, you know, the king then favored her request and, and who she was. But I just think it is so incredible because the parallels with that, you know, Whatever your request is, whatever is um, something that you might be facing or up against in your life, your king is not sleeping. God isn't asleep on the job. He's not, you know, if if you're worried about a, a doctor's visit that you have coming up, maybe you have found a lump and you're worried, or maybe they did a test and it doesn't make sense to you and you're so consumed with what's going to happen next, um, I just want to remind you that your king is not asleep. This is not a surprise to him. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, I don't know about all that because I don't pray. Um, Maybe you haven't been to church in a while. Maybe you just feel like you have kind of let things go. And you might just be listening to this because maybe, who knows, maybe you're one of our family members supporting us. Or maybe somebody just shared this podcast with you and you have no intention of going to church or um, having a Christian lifestyle, but you hear this and you think this doesn't apply to me because I've offered nothing to God. Well, that's not what the scripture says. It says, Emmanuel, God is with us. So yeah, he came for every one of us. He he's with you and he sees you and he's not sleeping. He's not worried. Your flaws don't separate you from God. And I think that's so important to remember they, the things that you are that make you a sinner are not things that separate you from God. They're the things that make you human. And those are the things that make grace real and come alive in you. Um, you just have to be willing to go to Him. Um, we have a sinful nature. It's in all of us. We all, I mean, the Bible talks about how we need to die daily. Um, but I just really want to emphasize that God knows exactly where you are, and He came to be with you, not to criticize you, not to point out every single flaw, but, but you know, the gospel is love, and, and he, He's there with you wherever you are. Yeah, and that's—I think that's one of the best things of—or not one of, but the—it's got to be the absolute best thing of Christmas, mm-hmm. is that that's the truth of it. That's the— the foundation of what everything is, is that God said, I want to be with the people that I created. I want to be with them in every trial. I want to feel their pain. I want to know their suffering. I want to know their struggles and temptations. And I want to stand with them in everything. And he came to this earth. 
he became human, he became flesh to be that. There was the first mention of Emmanuel before he was ever in this earth at all is in the book of Isaiah, which if you look chronologically, was almost 700 years before Jesus was born. That it was said, there shall be a savior born of a virgin and he shall be called Emmanuel. And then to look at just how the world embraced that of who he truly was. I mean, if you look at just how the simple thing of how time is categorized, we know so many, so much of our, our time frame, you know, historically we look at, we see BC and AD years In AD. A lot of people typically hear and are taught that that means after death. Um, in reality, what you, if you translate it, what it is, is it's originally Latin and it means Anno Domini, which is the year of our Lord. It began the year that he came to be with us. They said, this is the year of our Lord. And from here on, this time frame shall be known as the time that the Lord is with us in all things. He didn't come just to just to say that he did it, but he came because he wanted to know you. Mm. He said, the laws that I've created of the Old Testament and the ways of religion aren't good enough, but I have to be with my people. I have to let them know that I'm with them in every single struggle. And yeah, just like Lauren was saying, whether you go to church or not, maybe, maybe you don't even go to church. Maybe you don't even really know what to believe about the Bible or how to interpret it or, or what, what all is there. You're just kind of, like she said, maybe you're just listening just because know that God is with you. He said, I want to be here to have a relationship with you, not to rule your life, not to tell you what you can and can't do. But he came for the hurting. Yeah. You see that in his life as you follow the very short few years that Jesus walked on this earth. He didn't like spending time with the religious people or in the religious places or with the people who said they have their life together. But he went to the people who were hurting, who were lost, who were confused, who were outcast, who felt like they had no one. And he said, these are the people that I came for. Yeah. These are the people that I want to spend my time with. And that's every one of us. We're all hurting. We all have something that we're missing or that we're searching for that doesn't make sense or that we're afraid of, no matter what it is. We all have something. And he said, I am Emmanuel. I am with you. Yeah. And if it causes you worry, if there's something that's causing you stress, if your finances feel like they are just completely out of control, um, if you're anxious and, and you're worried and you feel like you can't get your life under control, then don't feel like God is just overlooking you. Yeah. Uh, I want you to know for a fact that if it's concerning you, if it's bothering you, it's on his mind and he's not sleeping. Like the, like the Just like the story, he's working it out. He's orchestrating a perfect plan, a perfect story that involves you coming to know him. And sometimes that is actually not sometimes it's always incredibly hard for us to see because we we don't have it all together but in his infinite power his story is so much more perfect than what we could ever map out for ourselves and so find yourself just being with him and yeah. we talked about this last week with rest you know the scripture says come to me all who are weary and i will give you rest 
he wants to provide that to you. And if you didn't listen to episode 17, it'd, it'd be a good one that kind of ties into this to just go back and just to meditate on God and, and him wanting to be with you. You know, he's, he's done so much for us and he's been so much for us, but, but are you allowing him to just be with you every day? Are you inviting him in your every day? Yeah. In Luke chapter uh, two and verse 10, um, the angel of the Lord had appeared to the shepherds and um, the Bible says, and the angel said unto them, fear not for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. It's for everybody, yeah. no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've been faced with, no matter how good you feel or you don't feel, it's easy to trust in the things of this world for our hope to be in our finances or our health or our home or our vehicles or our family or our marriage. And when any one of those things fail, we feel that our world has fallen apart and who could possibly understand me. Yeah. But God said, I am here for all people. Yeah. And I, and I feel like we would, uh, we would, we would really be missing something if we didn't close out this whole topic of God being with us. If, if we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit being the comforter that he sent to be with us. Because you might hear the story and be like, yeah, but doesn't the story of Jesus end with him dying on a cross? It does. And it and he, res- he, he resurrects on the third day, which I'm sure you're aware of. And then when he ascends into heaven, he says that he's going to send the comforter to be with us. And we find in Acts chapter 2 where his spirit is poured out. And it says that the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. And so his spirit living and abiding within you to be with you is not just for that book of Acts church. It's not just for that person that goes to church every single Sunday and has their life what appears to be all together. But it's for everyone. And the evidence of that, of knowing that, that we find in Acts 238 in the upper room, is the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that is something that will give you guidance, that will give you peace, and will help you through all of life's difficulties. Yeah, absolutely. And and in sending the comforter, that verse, I'm, the, it's so amazing that God says, I, I shall send my spirit, which shall be the comforter. And I love the, the last little phrase of that verse in John chapter 14, I believe it's verse 16. He says, and he shall be with you forever. Mm-hmm. That's in everything. That's in no matter what you're facing. And yeah, just like Lauren said, the evidence of that speaking in other tongues as it's told in, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit dwelling within you is that comfort. It is that direction. It is that peace when the world is falling apart. It's that thing that for some reason, when everything is in a pile around you and it's completely crumbled to the ground that you can look at it and you say, yeah, but it's okay. No matter what I'm facing, it's still okay. It's that comfort that God gives you. And he wants every one of you to have it, no matter who you are, no matter why you're listening or where you're from. He wants to be with you. He wants his spirit to be a part of your life. And he wants to show you that love. Yeah. So we hope that you, this week with Christmas, and all that it brings that you have a wonderful time with your family and your friends and we just hope that this has helped you refocus and to know that he came to be with you 
not for your neighbor. Well, yes, for your neighbor. <laughs> but but we want you to take ownership in the fact that he came to be with you. Yeah. Have a have a great Christmas and know that God loves you no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing. He is with you in all things. Merry Christmas, everybody.